Welcome to Real Deep Stuff. We've saved your seat at the table for this conversation. We're so glad you're here. Well, welcome back to Real Deep Stuff. I am so incredibly excited today. I have two very special guests who I don't really think of as guests. I think of as as family. Um, They are members of our church, and we have some very special connections that I cannot wait to share about today. So this is Dawn and Pat Hoover this morning. Hi. Hello. Hi, Christy. (laughs) You guys are some of the busiest people I know, and seriously, and I'm so honored that you took the time to come and share something incredibly important that's happening in the world beyond our borders and has effect here at home as well. So without further ado, um, would you guys like to share how you met or how your journey started and 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 then I can tell you how uh, we met y'all <laughs> okay um, Don and I actually don't remember meeting each other because we attended high schools that were about 15 miles apart in Mississippi so uh, we started dating when we were in college uh, I left uh, after three years uh, of, of took a shorter route through my curriculum. Don got two majors, so he was there five years, and so we um, went. I went to Atlanta. He followed with IBM, and uh, we got married and started our our journey together 61 years ago. 61 years? 61 years ago. <laughs> well, yeah. big congratulations yeah. on that. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> What's your secret? Well, first of all, Jesus is our secret. You know, mm-hmm. there weren't there are times as we started off. We had a pretty rough patch there for a couple of years, but uh, the Lord saw us through it, and He's been faithful through our whole journey. And um, mm-hmm. we haven't always done it exactly right, but He's made up for a lot of a lot of grace. A lot of grace, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, sure mm-hmm. has. Yeah. At only 33 years, I feel so much <laughs> less You're than just 61. Getting older, yeah, the good years are ahead. Uh, we've, we've loved retirement. It's, it's been a, a great journey for us to uh, spend some time doing things we love. Yeah. And one of those things that you love is serving together. Yes. So uh, that's how we... Bruce and I and our family kind of entered your world is uh, the world of Kenya and some very specific places and people there. And we took a mission trip with you guys back in 2011 that personally changed us forever. The entire landscape of our future completely changed because, you know, when you're kind of just doing the American grind, it's like, all right, we get one or two weeks a year for vacation, so which beach is it going to be this time, you know, and and that's what we were doing, raising kids and taking the vacation to the beach and doing the best we could, rec football and dance lessons, that kind of thing, and then Kenya, (laughs) (laughs) and I'll never forget, because we had several team meetings leading up to going, and I'll I'll never forget the one here at the house where I just looked terrified. I had never taken, I'd never been out of the country except to the Bahamas on our honeymoon, and our kids were 10, 12, and 14, so we, we, you know, your first time out of the country to go to Africa is not a small thing. That's right. Especially with a 10-year-old, and I remember you telling me, Don, years later that you thought after being at our team meeting at the house here, you were like, I'm not sure she's going to get on the plane. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's and right. She had this wide-eyed look on her face did. like, this is and really happening. <laughs> I mean, we were laying out our clothes all over the lawn for neighbors to see and spraying them down with bug repellent <laughs> and getting yellow fever vaccinations and these things that were completely foreign, part of the pun, to us. This right. was not like going to the Bahamas or, or even like England or somewhere. So this was Africa where there was a lot to learn about how to just safely travel there and mm-hmm. on top of all of our responsibilities and and we just came back wrecked. We were just in every good possible way. We were just bit by the African bug and the mission bug and was like, where are we going next? We left a huge piece of our heart in Kenya. It's still there. And our dream is to get back there Mm -hmm. and continue serving those beautiful, beautiful people that Mm -hmm. uh, we still talk about, dream about name by name. I mean, each one of us could, you know, all my party of five could each spend hours talking about the profound impact it had so uh, I cannot wait so we did go and we all came back and everything went great not without some hiccups but um, that's to be said on anything in life as an adventure so Dawn if you could possibly uh, walk us through like where you guys why why did you start serving in the first place how did that happen to your family that's interesting. Uh, our son is a pediatric surgeon, and he said, uh, Mom and Dad, I want you to go to Africa. He had uh, been uh, several years earlier with uh, uh, some friends of his from, from med school. And uh, see, so we said, sure, we'll, you know, but we had no intention of going to Africa. And then uh, in 1997, he said, pack your bags, Mom and Dad, uh, we're going. For and six weeks, we're going. We're going for six weeks. Six and weeks. Uh, we said, okay. <laughs> and uh, we packed our bags and not knowing what in the world we were getting into, we said yes. And we went. So that was our first trip. Wow. Six weeks right out the gate. That's right. right. That's right. a commitment. And uh, in fact, we stayed in the guest house there, a nice facility, more like, sort of like a dormitory and uh, met a team that was doing uh, certification of a generator uh, for the hospital, 10-year certification, and they discovered that I had an electrical engineering degree, and so they said, well, you could help us there with uh, uh, doing certification of this generator. So I, I knew enough of, of electric, from electrical engineering not to uh, get myself shocked, and, uh, it's important. It's a good thing. <laughs> and so that was our first, my first experience there. And then, of course, m- began to meet the people and missionaries uh, there at Tenwick Hospital. And as you said earlier, the bug sort of bit us that this is something that we might be interested in coming back to. Mm-hmm. What were your uh, impressions? Well, we never dreamed we would end up going to Africa. We had just retired in 97 and so it just sounded like an adventure so we got our shots and did all the preparation and uh, little did we know that it would start uh, a process of uh, now over the last 26 years. Don's probably been 10 times and I've probably been six or eight times with with different trips. Mostly back with David. He, our, that's our son who's the pediatric surgeon. He goes 
probably every 18 months or so to uh, help train doctors over there. A little bit about Tenwick Hospital. It's a 300-bed hospital in the highlands of Kenya, right, on the equator, but it's 6,000 feet in elevation, so beautiful temperature. You wake up in the morning and it's cool, and mm. by noon it may be 75, and um, it's and they are equipped for visitors. They have a guest house for doctors to stay, and then Don particularly got real involved with the arm of the hospital that's called Community Help, which at the time mm -hmm. was doing a lot of baby immunizations and mm -hmm. uh, HIV uh, education, and mm -hmm. um, got to know the past the uh, director of that ministry, and so uh, it just mm -hmm. started a process that we. Our, our son says a visit to Tenwick causes a hole in your heart. And the only way you feel it is to go back. <laughs> I so agree. I so agree because, yeah. of, and I still say, after having been to quite a few places around the world serving, and all of them are wonderful in their own way, um, there's something very unique about the folks in Kenya. Yeah, they're so loving and so warm. The and, most gracious, yeah. giving, loving. Yeah. The minute they lay eyes on you, they love you. And and I'm sitting here thinking, I haven't done anything to earn yeah, their love. Right. I'm like, wow, that's yeah. messed up. You yeah. know? But uh, they they it, it's an insatiable hole mm -hmm. in the heart to just want to keep filling with beautiful people who are so happy and so content. And I'll never forget going to the one house. It was a pastor's house on the side of a mountain with you guys and walking in. And I just thought, okay, so... They like doilies, those little yeah. lace things. You know, they're just everywhere. Okay, they really like their doilies. And, and I did not know what that meant to them. That Afterwards, we were told that they put those out for the most special guests and the most special occasion. And, and they were just everywhere. And I thought, I was so humbled. And how, you know, they, a lot of them have next to nothing, and yet they're offering us trays of their fresh-cut tomatoes, like literally food right out of their hands right. that, that they're like, no, you take it. And I'm like, no, you take yeah. it, you know. But the bucket showers, that was fun. <laughs> yeah. Had to learn how to take a five-gallon bucket shower real quick. <laughs> it's like right. the first... You, you lather up, and then you let the water come. <laughs> you just, you know, to be super efficient. And like, the, like within the first night or two that we were there, I guess the, the, the pipes that the water goes through over the fire to heat the shower, I guess something went wrong with that. So Bruce is jumping up on the roof. To, to help them to fix, fix that, and I'm just like, oh, please don't fall through the roof. And I have this picture of him, and he's literally glowing. He's so happy. It's almost dark, and he's up there just walking around on this metal tin roof thing, and they're just clanging together the pipes, and they did fix it, but that ear-to-ear -ear smile, mm -hmm. it's just their heart is contagious. Mm -hmm. it, the joy is contagious, and so what a what a joy it is to to try to give back in some small way mm -hmm. to to help them yeah. with their needs. So with that, let's talk about what are their needs. What has happened? What are some of the goals and problems and resolutions that, that they have over there? One of the things that uh, <clears throat> we were got involved with was Riverside Church, which is uh, a church within maybe five kilometers of uh, Tenwick Hospital. And uh, 
We, we learned that there was a, a teenage pregnancy crisis during COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, and during that crisis, many of the, the young girls got pregnant. And Riverside Church uh, wanted to be a part of, of uh, ministering to those girls. And so they held sessions for, uh, for, these, uh, for 1,800 of the girls. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then uh, in talking with some of the elders of the church, uh, we, we uh, determined that they needed uh, some education for some, to teach them some employment skills so that, that uh, so many of them, only 2% would go back to school if they became pregnant and, uh, or they would be sold off into menial types of jobs. Uh, and so we uh, uh, in, determined that maybe the, the, uh, that we could come up with a computer course that would teach them computer skills. And uh, with those skills, they would then be uh, a, have employment opportunity. May I interject right there for a second? Because when we first started talking about this idea of how to give them the, um, you know, the scripture in Jeremiah that talks about a future and a hope, um, I was hearing about the need from you guys. And I turned, I didn't tell you guys this before, but I turned on the, I, I don't listen to a lot of news. It's just all bad and sad. <laughs> but I turned on the national news one night and they were in Kenya and they were interviewing girls completely unrelated to the girls that, that we y'all work with. This was just a journalist out there talking to the girls about what's happened during the pandemic. And they interviewed one of them and she was pregnant and she was yeah. school age. And that got my attention. I, I was making dinner and I just stopped and I was like, whoa, this is real time. Exactly what exactly what y'all had yeah. said is a problem. And he said, so where do you see your life going from here? And she where do you see your future going from here? And she said, I don't have one. I have my ba- I'll have my baby, but I don't have a future anymore. Some of these girls were 13 years old. Yes. I mean, they're young girls mm-hmm. that were left unsupervised during mm-hmm. this time. And um, it's just a horrible situation mm-hmm. to think that's, that, that their only choice was being into a forced marriage of some sort or um, mm-hmm. just trying to get by day by day. Yes. Just little or nothing. The look of hopelessness in her, her face, her mm-hmm. response was just—it was just almost matter of fact. Like she just accepted it. She's like, mm-hmm. I, "I don't have one," mm-hmm. and that's when I was just like, "I am so excited <laughs> to get this program started that you started to talk about." But I, I wouldn't never pretend. knew that story about the national. No, Day. I didn't either. If I knew they were doing it, I would have recorded it. Yeah. I, I should probably go back and try to Google that news segment because I was like. This is verbatim what Don and Pat and team have been talking about. And this was completely, you know, Joe Blow right. journalist with this girl. So, yeah, sorry to, I wanted to just say that that was a complete <laughs> mirror of that. So, yeah. And then, Christy, one of the things that just was so impactful to us, it was that in talking with you, you said, well, I have a friend. And, and you, you can remind me exactly how this happened that has a connection with a, a Dr. Sharon Jones and, uh, and so th- who teaches women in Charlotte through a nonprofit uh, skills in Microsoft and Excel and Word and that type of thing. 
and uh, maybe maybe we could talk with her about uh, how she might help us put together some kind of curriculum that would help these uh, these girls in in Africa. You you remember that? <laughs> I it's seared in my brain because when God does something bigger than yourself, you just don't forget it. Right. And and the what he was doing was mind melting me and I was like what and so what happened was my sister was working with Dr. Sharon Jones in a STEM capacity STEM for girls particularly I, I, I'm trying mm-hmm. to do it science technology engineering, engineering and math, math. yes 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 because yes. <laughs> my sister is like all things STEM for kids and and so she was working with a girls program with her here in Charlotte I had never met Dr. Jones but Kim just raved about her and was just like, she's just the coolest person. She's so smart. She does all these things. And one night, Donna Hurst and I were talking on the phone about these girls' lot in life and how their life was, you know, they were, because they, I do know in Kenya, they love their babies. They they are family-oriented people, and they do not throw their children away. And so these girls were going to have a baby, but now no way to get an education. And, and I was just like, can we just, think outside the box for a minute because God just kept, it's like he just kept gently pushing me in the back going, think bigger, think bigger. And, and I was like, you know, we have so many different types of education in America. You've got public school, private school, technical school, school, colleges. Uh, there's kind of homeschool. There's like endless ways to get education here. And I was like, is is the standard traditional Kenya education the only possible way? And it wasn't me thinking that. It was just this nudge of him going, mm. think bigger. And so Donna and I were just like, this can't be the end because I am hugely pro-education for both boys and girls. Right. And particularly girls, I'm a girl and you know, girl power. <laughs> so like and because of what these girls were gonna be doing, either sold off for labor or married to who knows who. So we just started saying, is there any possible way there could be an alternative type of education? And I know Donna totally ran with that ball. And next thing you know, God is telling me <laughs> to um talk to Dr. Jones and I'm like I've never met her (laughs) and that's a little awkward to call someone you've never met and then ask something from them that is not comfortable right and I was just like I don't know about that (laughs) and so but it was just a compelling and a conviction that you can't resist like I I couldn't sleep and so finally I asked my sister I was like all right I have a really crazy request (laughs) this Dr. Jones that you keep talking about can you give me her contact? I'd like to speak with her. And when I t- I was driving on uh, Independence one day and had her on speaker, I'm like, hey, you don't know me, <laughs> but I'm Kim's sister. <laughs> Here's what's going on. Is there any possible way you'd be at all interested? And wow, she couldn't have jumped faster. She was like, I'm in. I'm all in. I mean, I didn't even know what to tell her other than we're dreaming of an alternative education. She's like, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. What do you want? What do you need? I'm doing it. So so that's, that's how she came into the picture. It was completely God, totally God, because I didn't even know her. Mm-hmm. And from that, uh, she uh, had connections, of course, with some people on her board from uh, Microsoft and got the uh, teaching uh, uh, curriculum for teaching Microsoft Excel and Word. And we set up Zoom sessions. Carmel Baptist Church stepped into the picture and purchased 15 computers 
that were then installed in the church there. And they set up a mentoring system through the church to reach out with compassionate care to these girls that uh, many of them needed transportation to the uh, church for the, for the curriculum for the school. And <clears throat> 24 girls began in, uh, uh, I believe, the first, the first class was 24 in April of 2021. And uh, from that t time, there have now graduated over 200 girls, and now guys, boys, are involved in, in, the, in the course. And uh, many of them have uh, come to, to know the Lord and have, have joined the church there at Riverside Church. And it's just incredible. We were just there two weeks ago and, and saw uh, 40 of them in a current class. And uh, they were so excited about the opportunity that, that uh, was there. And if we talk about Riverside in particular, correct me if I'm wrong, but what I remember is, as God would have it, his work was already in plan, that they were already in the process of building like a bigger church with a concrete wall that would be safe and secure for the computers. Because when we went there, it was a plywood box. There was a tin building. <laughs> yes, yeah. it was dirt floors. Yeah. Yeah. And when you first said that they were going to host the, the site for the computers, I thought, really? Because like, this is like... Yeah. Now they have living. a beautiful, they built a beautiful church there. Have you seen pictures yes, of it? Yes, Pastor Leonard sends me yes. uh, videos and stuff, yes. and, and, and it's got the stained glass, but yes. it's got this this security wall around it with the concrete, with the barbed wire, and, and he, that was already in play. That was already being right. built. So it's like God right. was already like, I got this. I, you just guys got to just follow right. my plan. I've already, I've taken care of the details. And then, Christy, one of the things that we learned uh, just recently that's really exciting is that, that they have seen this as now an opportunity to expand and, and reach more uh, girls and guys. And uh, they've been certified by the Kenyan government uh, to offer a, a, a diploma uh, for two-year education. And they're working on that now, and they're going to renovate that initial building that we uh, visited. It was the... the the tin building to uh, be become the college of the spring of hope and so it's just incredible and sanctioned by the government and sanctioned by the government yeah, i mean at this point something? what do you what i mean how far can our jaws just fall open and what right. god's plan is so much bigger than we could have ever asked or imagined i was pulling into ups when you called me and said, I just got to give you an update that the school has now just become an accredited college yeah. and that fell out the car. <laughs> like it just, it, it just, it blows our minds. And, um, and I want to just tell, a, if you don't mind, a real quick two things. It, it matters always, but I think it matters even more personally when when you have a personal connection to the people you're serving they uh, are enough that just who they are as people are enough to to be worthy to be served and loved and cared for but when your heart get your heartstrings get tied to theirs it, there was uh, two things the reason why we our family ever considered going on a mission trip at all ever and then to Kenya was because and I 
terrible with names. I think his first name is Steve, but he wrote the book Jesus MD. He came to our oh, church. Dr. David Stevens. Stevens, Dr. Yeah. David Stevens. Thank you. So he came to church and he spoke that day, and it was that day that he told a story. And uh, wow. As a mom, I have never gotten over hearing it. And shortly, it is he was serving in Kenya, and um, he had his own like bag of medicine for himself because you know we we Americans go over there and we can just catch things a lot easier. Right. <laughs> and even though we go prepared, you do. And I always joke that we've had so many vaccines now we probably glow in the dark yeah. <laughs> for all the things, and and nothing bad has happened. We're all good. Everybody's healthy and fine. And but he was over there and he saw a woman that was holding a baby and the baby was really really sick like deathly sick and he said you know what I'm going to go to my personal medical bag I'm going to get out the antibiotics that are for me and whatever I have in my own stash I'm going to give it to this baby and help save this baby and so we ran to his car truck whatever he had grabbed his bag and when he came back the baby had died so the woman at that point, and Dr. Stevens at that point, is, is um, mimicking her physical movement. And he gets down on his knees. He said that she walked across the little dirt road with the baby, she, and she got down on her knees, which he did, and she started digging a hole with her hand. And she's digging a hole for her baby to bury her baby by the road. And he's just watching it happen. And... She's not crying at all, like not at all. There's no emotion on her face. And so he turns to the woman standing next to him, another African woman, and he said, why isn't she crying? She's digging a hole for her baby. And the woman says, this is her 12th baby, and it's the 12th one she's burying. She has no more tears left. And he's telling it in front of church, and he's crying, so we're all crying. And I just thought, that's not right. That's not right. Something ha- We have got to be able to do something so that doesn't happen again. And even though I didn't know the woman personally, you're just completely connected. Like, mm-hmm. no more tears. Bearing 12 children. I don't even know how to unpack that. And it was that day in the bulletin where it had all the trips listed. And, and Kenya was one of them. And I was like, Bruce, we need to talk. <laughs> this just isn't right. It's not right. So that was the first mm. experience. And then the second one was um, when we were there, we got to help be a part of like a ribbon cutting ceremony, I guess, on a water well that Carmel had, our church had finished. And we weren't, a, our family wasn't a part of that project at all, but you guys were so gracious. You're like, hey, anybody, anybody on the team want to go up and help dedicate the you well? Got to celebrate with them. Yeah, yeah, I felt really like I cheated because I was right. like, I wasn't part of that. Because I, I didn't think anything. I didn't, I didn't know about it, but here we are. So we got to go to the top of this mountain where it was and all these people just started, the, the village just started coming out from every which way. And I was like, whoa, where did these people look? Like, I didn't know where they were all coming from. 
and I looked at one particular, um, I actually have a picture of her. I, she's like a young teenager and she has one of like a, a baby wrap around her and she's got a baby up, up on her chest and wrapped to her. And she was so beautiful. I took a picture of her and you said to me, you just, cause I was kind of captivated just, just looking at her and how beautiful she was and how pretty that baby was. And, and you said to me, um, that baby is probably hers. Cause I was thinking from an American perspective, she's the babysitter yeah. and she was so, cause she was so young and the baby is, is probably hers. And I just was like, oh, it just made it so real. Now it's on my doorstep and now you can't not do something about it. Hmm. Cause I thought, why is that baby hers? Mm. She's way so too young. young. Yeah. So anyway, sorry to, to distract, but like I just got, I, I think it makes a difference when you have personal connections mm. and, mm. and that young girl has never left me and, um, and neither has that mom. So mm. there we go. So we put all that passion into energy to start our projects. So sorry, Don, you <laughs> explain what we're doing. You know, that... That, that is really uh, the, the essence of, uh, of, of what has excited us about going, and, and that is to see uh, the impact on these uh, young girls and, uh, and on the, uh, the mentors there at the church that, that have a part in, uh, in, in just demonstrating the love of Christ to the, to the, to the girls. Well, one of our thrusts is, as we go on mission is to enable uh, the local church to be the ministering arm rather than us just flying in as white people to bring a solution we bring, try to bring resources and what we can in education and money to uh, to help the, the the local church that community be the ministering arm, the people that really, because they're there, when we get on the plane and leave, they're there for the long haul. I mean, that's their, that's their community. And um, I think it's, it speaks powerfully. And one of the reasons that Riverside has prospered and grown to the size church that it is, is that um, they've been community-minded. They wanted to bring that cup of water in Jesus' name. Hundred percent. In fact, one of the books that you guys had us read before the trip was "When Helping Hurts," mm -hmm. and it's so well framed. When good intentions don't have good results, that's and, right. And the key is to help in a way that that whoever it is you're serving will then be self-sustaining. Because uh, you know we've all heard of people that go over there, and I, I won't mention company names, but I know there's a company name that was like offering baby formula for free, and then what happened was the babies kind of got used to the formula, so the mom's milk dried up, and then they pulled out their formula. And now what happens yeah, to the babies? Happens, yeah. You know, or Just, people that in 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 a good intention want to build all these water wells, but don't teach them how to maintain them, so then they break, and then they're worse off because they got used to clean water. water. Yeah. Yeah. So like. I love that you brought that point up, that it's got to be a way that that boots on the ground can continue the work because you know, we're just there. I always like to say to take a shift. We're just That's taking right. a shift. Yeah. 
But, yeah. you know, the people that come in are not the show. There should never be a show. There should be a training and then be like, you guys take the ball and exactly. run with it. For sure. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can you tell us a little bit, Dawn, about, um, I don't want to get the details wrong, so wasn't, um, what, weren't there pa- like care packages made for the, the girls as well? Like hygiene kits? Yeah, they had hygiene kits that, that, that were given to uh, the, the girls in, in, uh, as, a, as a result of just uh, reaching out to them. And, and also just uh, the, the compassionate care kind of thing. There were, many of them uh, needed food, and, and so there were meals that uh, were, were supplied. Uh, and they were given rice and beans to take home, some, some, some food. Right, they? Mm-hmm. right. Yes, there, there was a, a complete holistic kind of approach to, to reach not only them but their families. Uh, in in the process. I've loved reading the update that you sent of particular testimonies of the girls of what their life was like and what it's like now and it's completely transformed and uh, and I know uh, just a short sorry detail uh, our first compassion sponsored child our daughter uh, she was in Uganda and we picked her because her story was so similar to mine I'll know if it was 1998 we were at a Amy Grant and uh, Stephen Chapman concert mm-hmm. and they it's the first time I'd ever heard of compassion and so you could sponsor a child on intermission and so we found this little girl she was seven and her mom had died my mom had died she was living didn't have a dad I didn't have a dad she was living with her grandmother I was living with my grandparents yeah. during this when I was a teenager and I just really resonated with her and so um, we chose her and she uh we had her until she graduated and then they said you know what she's doing so good she would like to go to nursing school. Would you continue the sponsorship past the allotted time so she could get that nursing education? We're like, yeah, sure. So she actually wound up becoming a nurse, and now she supports her grandmother and her brother, and she's completely self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. And that was the tie-in. You know, we went from Dr. Stevens telling us about a woman, then to me seeing a girl in the mountain, and then saying, okay, we actually have a sponsored daughter who actually went through a training program and is now going to be okay. She's going to be, yeah. she's going to be fine. So with that, um, tell us a little bit about, um, with Tenwick Hospital, there's Threads of Hope as well. Could you talk about a little bit about that? Yes, I, I wanted to just, uh, just have, I took uh, our one of our senior mission pastors from Cornwall Church there two weeks ago and uh, gave wanted him to get a picture of the ministries there of the hospital, and one of them is uh, Threads of Hope, which is a uh, a ministry to women who have been uh, rescued from prostitution, and have uh, uh, learns that are learning sewing skills. So there's a a ten month course that they uh, uh, attend and go through to learn sewing skills. And upon graduation, they receive a treadle sewing machine because there's out in the communities, maybe not power there for a, a, a normal sewing machine that we're familiar with. Uh, so when we were there, we decided to take chai, which is their tea, to them. Normally, a, a team will go in and they will treat us with uh, chai. And, and uh, so we decided to reverse the, the process and we took for, for the eighth class now in process uh, of six girls that, that uh, 
and a total, I think, of 47 have graduated in the earlier classes. We took them chai and mandazis, which is a, a bakery delicacy, and um, uh, and some a little package of uh, buttons and zippers and things that they could use for sewing, and uh, and then just uh, blessed them and prayed for them and. The joy that we saw on their faces was just incredible. And I could have come home at that point from just being blessed by, by the trip. Uh, and then on a, a, another visit, we delivered four wheelchairs to a nearby uh, a school that had uh, a school for special needs. So we worked in, uh, in the morning in assembling these four wheelchairs, and then they were we had the children that were going to receive those chairs come and sit in them and adjust the heights and all of that of the, the pads so that they would fit. And uh, the uh, principal of the school said, well, they would like to come out and, and uh, sing to you. All and the children in the school, not All just the children. The and so 32 yeah. children came out and sat in, in front of the facility and uh, we were in front and we said, well, first of all, well, let us sing to them. So we sang, Jesus loves me and Jesus loves you to these children. And then as the principal said, though, they want to sing to you. And so they did that. They re returned the favor. And again, that was one of those uh, visits that just really uh, tugged at your heart. And, uh, and you just knew that, that, that God was at work there uh, in, in, in a real neat way uh, with, the, with the children. Mm. So those were two of the things that uh, uh, were just ministries there of, uh, uh, of the hospital that uh, tug at your heart when you leave. Tell us about chai time because you mentioned you brought chai to them and chai time is very special over there. <laughs> it's almost sacred. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Walk us through that. But is it 10 o'clock every morning? Or 9, 9.30 or so. The, everything shuts down and you'll see them. Um, walking from the kitchen with these metal tea, big tea kettles because everybody has cha, which is their tea with a lot of sugar and milk in it. <laughs> and um, in fact, David tells it kind of the funny story that they had to educate them when they first started doing surgery there that you didn't leave the patient on the table <gasps> oh, <laughs> to go for your chai. You had to stick with it until you might, <laughs> you might have to reschedule this morning if you have, because they would, they would think, you, well, it's chai time. I'm putting everything down. I got to go to chai. So. Wow. What is, what is there? Like I'm thinking of siesta in Latin culture. Yeah. It's like to go home and be with family. Right. And yeah. Nap time. What is, yeah. What is the purpose of their chai time? It's it's a lot of fellowship. It's a lot of um, relationship. Relationship. Sit and mm -hmm. talk to your fellow workers, and mm -hmm. uh, but it is a it, it's it's a special time for them. Time they look forward to. So uh, yeah. our family loved the chai time. Yeah. Just love chai in general. They right. still try to find products here yeah. in America. They're like, nope, yeah. it's just not the same. Yeah, <laughs> and it's scalding hot, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. very hot. That's right. <laughs> So that was, since it's a community bonding experience every day, that was probably extra special that y'all brought That's it right. to them. Right, yeah. right. What an, what an olive branch of just love yeah. and friendship. Yeah. Exactly. They are so relational, as you said earlier, Christy, that it just, uh, uh, and, and with, with so little in many cases compared to all the things we have here in the U.S., and uh, so it, it just... Uh, 
enables you to sort of have a reset mm -hmm. in terms of uh, what, what is valued and really important in life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And and I'm thinking about uh, some of the other ministries that, that Tenwick does is they have like a well baby and vaccination checkup program, is that right? That they that used to be big on their their agenda for the community health, but now thankfully the government has taken over a lot of the immunization oh, uh, areas, and so they but they've all but the community health is concentrated a lot on um, AIDS education and abstinence education, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and they do a lot in the community to help communities figure out what resources they have that they can develop to to raise their economic status a little bit, you mm -hmm. know, so so that their their lives are not quite so hard. Mm -hmm. So they've uh, they've been real successful through the years and Yeah, they call that capacity planning. Yeah. Where they go into a community uh, uh, where there's really abject poverty and they they don't bring anything with them to give to that uh, those individuals in the community they help them discover what they have mm -hmm. and uh, and use what they have and one illustration that uh, our daughter went on one of the capacity planning sessions that so impacted her was they the uh, illustration that they they spoke and asked them what they had and and maybe each little hut had one chicken and so each, if Aoife, each of them would, uh, on, on one week, give away and sacrifice one of their eggs to give to each of the others, then the, the, the other members would each get an egg from, uh, from, from the group. And uh, in, the, in the course of uh, time, then they could sell that individual that had the multiple number of eggs, could sell those, buy a, a chicken, eventually a goat, and uh, it, it was when you when you go back over a period of time, six months or nine or twelve months later, it's incredible what has happened in capacity planning as they have shared what they've had with one another. So those are things that community health does, and and is so effective. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Working with what you have, right? That, right. That's yeah. as basic as it gets, and and it and it can be wildly successful. Right. I love that. I love that. So back to the girls' uh, educational program. Working with what they have, they've got computers. They've got teachers that kind of boots on the ground. That um, talk about that. Are they are they facilitating the education that's already in place, or are they teaching it themselves? How does that work? Are they still huh. using Zoom to teach all the courses from here, or some? No, of no, they downloaded those those courses, and so they have. The, the, what uh, with Dr. Sharon Jones, she really was one to teach the teachers, hmm. and so they have now teachers there that take those courses that have been downloaded, and they are they're interactive online uh, from from the class. So the girls come in. You know, they have a, online sessions, let's say, for one hour or several hours a week, and then they can come in at times uh, in addition to that to do their personal type of, of education. To practice. And, and to, to practice, to right. Hone their skills. Hmm. And then they have tests that they have to take, of course, that would confirm that they have really learned. 
uh, skills. And so it's become very effective. And, and uh, Dr. Jones was very, very good at teaching the teachers so that now they can perpetuate uh, the, the education. That's fantastic. It kind of like the capacity planning you were just talking about, rather than right. trying to constantly send American right. teachers over there. Let's right. equip the people that are fully capable to do it already yeah. there. That's right. beautiful. Yeah. So uh, now we know it's going to be an accredited college. What are some other hopes and dreams plans for Spring of Hope going forward? Well, you know, they, uh, they just sense that the uh, diploma education is going to give uh, an incredible additional opportunity beyond just some of the basic computer skills to these individuals and and all under the uh, uh, mentorship of, of the church there that enables them to, to really receive the, the joy of the Lord in, in their uh, education. I guess that's the, uh, mm -hmm. uh, the big dream that they see there. So they could be competitive in their local market and then with these technical skills, even on the global market. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah. Right. And we're seeing some economic change in that community. Like when we first started going 20 years ago, there would have been very little opportunity for jobs for computer skills. But now there's industry coming in, there's hotels being built. So uh, we, we, think the, we think the potential's there that these these girls are going to be able to, to, to get good paying jobs. So that's our prayer anyway. Wow, you, you paint such a beautiful picture of like, I'm seeing hotels coming up and industries coming up, like literally on the landscape and mm -hmm. thinking like, wow, from, from an unplanned pregnancy through no fault of their own, through victimization, to and not knowing what will happen to them, right. forced labor or marriage right. at such a young age, Two, competing for educated and competing for these jobs that will not only sustain them but their babies and probably their families. Yes, yeah. I mean, who could have thunk, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah. What a wild ride yeah. to be on. And uh, how can people be motivated? What can they do to help with this? Um, we have a couple of places to mention. Friendsoftenwick.org. I'll put that in the show notes. So Tenwick Hospital. Can you just tell a little bit about what is Tenwick Hospital? Because I think when we think of hospitals, we think of the ones just locally in our community. So how are they different from just like our hospital down the street? Well, their motto is, we treat Jesus heals. So that tells you immediately how they're very different and that their compassionate care comes along with a sharing of the message of the hope of Jesus. So it's it's and it's 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 the core of what they do. It's the reason these highly skilled doctors, specialists, cardiothoracic surgeons, orthopedic surgeons are willing to 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 go for sometimes for two weeks, sometimes two years, sometimes for a lifetime mm -hmm. to to minister there and. Uh, it has a wonderful reputation throughout Kenya as being a good place to go. It's very different from a hospital. It's all open air, no windows, mm -hmm. big wards of no private rooms, big, big, big wards of a lot of people. Sometimes during, we've seen it sometimes during the bad times, like an epidemic of something, like a malaria outbreak or something, where there'd be more than one person in a bed and back. Wow. So, but it's a it's a beautiful place to serve and a place that 
that doctors like to go and spend their spend their time and it's a good place but if doctors feel called to to give some of their their education away and some of their skills away in teaching uh, it's a good place for them to take their families it's mm-hmm. family or there's a compound there and the children run and play and it our grandkids love to go. They climb trees and they run through the compound and play <laughs> with the Kenyan children and it's just it's a it's a pleasant place to take your family even mm-hmm. though you think about going to the depths of Africa as, as being hard. They're they're equipped to mm-hmm. to take care of visiting staff. Mm-hmm. It's not luxurious but it's uh Mm-hmm. It's fun. Don't you think it was fun? Yes, yeah, we stayed yeah. on the campus yeah. and we stayed in bunk beds with our family right. and, and watching our kids walk hand in hand down the dirt roads with these beautiful African children <laughs> just hanging on them right. and wanting to braid our daughter's hair yeah. constantly. Right. Want to touch your skin. <laughs> <laughs> wanted to see if this was ash on our skin right. that would rub off. off you know? <laughs> Why? And particularly someone so ghostly white like myself it was I stick out in pictures but oh it was a beautiful joyful place I mean everybody's just smiling Mm -hmm. and energetic and ready to help we could share one story of a little girl that back when we were there and uh, just for privacy I probably won't mention her name but uh, I guess at least back in 2011 it was some one of the biggest ways a child would die would they'd fall in their fire in their mm-hmm. in their right, hut. Right. Yeah. The fire was in the middle of the hut and Yeah, so I think there's been some education on how to make that safer since then, but um so this little girl 4 years old fell in the fire and lost her leg. She didn't lose her life like a lot, mm-hmm. but she did lose her leg. So she was dragging herself to Riverside the church because they were so friendly to her there and this little girl would just drag herself by herself because no dad her mom I believe was a prostitute and she was attracted to Riverside because of how nice everybody was to her so when we got there we met her and Riverside had taken some of the scrap wood from the plywood church kind of mm-hmm. makeshift that they had built and made her some homemade crutches and so at least she could have the dignity of being upright Right. And however, she was just watching all the kids play. She could never run or anything like that. So she was on the sidelines just watching. And so our friends that were also on our team that year, a doctor and a PA, made some phone calls and they're like, hey, Tenwick, can we help this little girl? And lo and behold, as God would have it, he had a pediatric prosthetic doctor (laughs) at Tenwick at the same time and said, if you can get her here, we can get her a leg. Probably that was a visiting doctor that was only there for a window of time. Yes. And God just continues to put stories like that together. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So we the team arranged for her to get to that hospital, and they got her that prosthetic leg. And we saw pictures of her standing and videos of her running with the friends. And I remember catching up with you a few years later, Dawn, and saying, hey, I can't stop thinking about her because I'm thinking... Now she's probably eight or nine and she's grown. What has happened to her because she's outgrown her prosthetic leg? And you said they've got her. They're giving her the prosthetic legs that she needs as she grows. She'll be Mm -hmm. good. So that whole sustainability at the site, you know, in Kenya. Kenyans helping Kenyans. You know, they just, she just needed 
that initial start mm. for the help. Mm. And mm. now she'll have a prosthetic leg that fits for the rest wow. of her life. And the mom saw how well everything was, you know, everybody was treating her at the church and at, at Timwick Hospital, which is Jesus-based, that she started coming to church and then she accepted Christ and she said, I'm going to stop being a prostitute and I'm going to learn basket weaving. Like they basket weave like nobody's mm-hmm. business. I mean, there's no one better. And so she found an, uh, an honorable profession for herself to care for her and her daughter and that's just one example of Tenwick yes and how it's all connected and so beautiful and you know Christy that a a lot of folks may not realize that uh, Tenwick Hospital is probably one of the uh, larger mission hospitals in Africa and uh, they have uh, five major uh, ministries that uh, are involved. One is the hospital itself with over 1,100 employees and it's become a teaching sending hospital. Uh, Over 30 residents in ortho or OB or neuro, uh, family medicine. Training Kenyans. Training Kenyans, bright Kenyans for those with with skills for those specialties. Then uh, one of the leading nursing schools in all of Kenya uh, and 100% of their graduates this last year, for instance, uh, passed the exams, and which is incredible for, for a nursing school. And then a, the chaplaincy school, one of the few mission hospitals that has a chaplaincy school. In fact, they've trained uh, chaplains for over 11 African countries through the chaplaincy school. And then community health, as Pat mentioned earlier, is one of the models for preventive medical care mm-hmm. uh, for, for a mission hospital. Mm-hmm. And the fifth is ministries of the spouses of the doctors there. And one of the key ministries, two of the, the key ministries that they have uh, really developed and launched is one for teaching the Bible to women. And uh, they have them memorize scripture. And after they memorize a certain amount of scripture, they give them a Bible. Mm-hmm. and then have done a teach the teachers kind of thing. There are over 2,000 women now that have gone through this course, memorized scripture, gotten their own Bible, and uh, many of those have been developed as teachers that are now teaching others. Mm-hmm. And then orphanages. There are over 250 orphanages and five orphanages surrounding Tidmuk Hospital that the mm-hmm. spouses of uh, missionaries have, have supported. So there's a, that, that is sort of a, a you know, a 30,000 foot view of Tenwick Hospital. It's a teaching, sending hospital that is uh, with, as Pat said, the, the, uh, the, the real base of We Treat Jesus Heals mm-hmm. uh, as the, uh, the message that is conveyed mm-hmm. uh, in a beautiful way. Tell the story of your uh, conversation with, da- with David Khalil the cha- the first chaplain there at one of the first times we went to yes I was at walking the, with him yeah Ernie Sturey the first uh, doctor there at Tidmuck Hospital shared Jesus with every patient and as the load uh, increased he needed help and so he hired an, uh, a man named David Kalel who became the first chaplain so I I have built a friendship and a relationship with David and through multiple visits. And one day we were out walking and we walk everywhere. Uh, you walk everywhere at, at, at Tenwick. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I said, David, you seem a little bit discouraged today. What is the, what's the dilemma or the problem? He said, well, Don, I'm not making my goal. I said, well, what is your goal? And he said that uh, to lead 5,000 people to Christ this year. And I said, well, and this was like in August of the year. And I said, well, David, what, how, how have you done? What, what have you attained, uh, achieved so far? And he said, just 3,700. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> just just 3,700 this year. Wow. Wow. And, and so, in fact, this last two, two weeks ago, uh, uh, he's retired now, and I, I invited him to come in for, for chai with, to meet Bob Meisel, our missions pastor, and his wife, and uh, we did. And uh, it was just such a delightful, in fact, I reminded him of that story, and he remembered that uh, mm. as we related that to, oh. to Bob. Wow, that is amazing, 3,700. Yeah. That is, I mean, that's yeah. impressive. It's impressive to, to have a heart so dedicated. So that becomes a part of their medical record. You, oh, wow. you know, when you look on the chart, you know, what's happening in this patient's life, it'll be noted that this this person received Christ in certain, certain days. Wow. So, so that's, that's how the hospital's different. It's different. Very different because it's offering a a healing for the body that we're living in and then eternal hope and salvation. That's beautiful. And you mentioned working with orphanages. And I think sometimes, personally, I think that people can kind of gloss over the word orphanage and just it just be kind of comes this um, side note in the head like, yep, 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 it's an orphanage. But orphanages are made up of orphans. And every one of them matters. Mm-hmm. And I remember when we went there, there was a little girl. Oh, I would love to know what she's doing now because she'd be a teenager now, a late teen. Um, she hid in the shadows. She was so curious. She was too young to go to school. So she kind of hid back and would follow us around, peeking around the corners and just was so curious, but was so people shy. But our daughter has a gift for going to the one, Mm -hmm. the one that's different, the one that's left out, the one no one's talking to. She just has a God-given gift for a heart for the one. And so she just kind of started playing, like peeking back, like peekaboo around the corner with her. And that's her name, Mercy? Yeah. Yeah. Mercy. Yeah. And next thing you know, they're best friends. And and Sarah just brought out all that life and personality of Mercy, and now mm-hmm. she's goofy and silly, and you know Sarah's carrying yeah. her on her back and swinging her around and reading books to her. And I just remember thinking, wow, like orphanages are made up of orphans, and orphans right. are children, children without parents, and and not to be forgotten or left behind. And our work with you, we helped build a kitchen for one of them. Oh, yeah. That was fun. In fact, I was there to see Joseph. You remember Joseph? I totally remember Joseph. And uh, so we, and one of the things that uh, Kevin Hurst uh, had helped Joseph with was in in his chicken uh, production to try to get sustainability, to get income, they could sell the eggs. And so there were 20 or 30 chickens, I think, when we were there. We saw over 200 chickens what? there, and I sent uh, Kevin and Donna a picture of the chickens to let them know that their their work was uh, effective. He sells he sells eggs back to the hospital. Oh, the I hospital love that. get all they get all their eggs from Joseph now, and it's wow. Lots. What a symbiotic relationship, yeah. right? Yeah. And and I'm so glad you brought up Joseph because orphanages are 
ran by caretakers who are real people who have real families and I remember and this this person gets no government help he mm. just had a heart for taking in orphanages and orphans I mean he he had started with one or two or three and then he had six and then he had ten and mm. he just couldn't turn these kids away and he's found over the years how to how to care for them mm-hmm. and so it's been good experience to be his to he had he had a few children uh older uh older teens early 20s mm-hmm. one of their his sons was named eric and eric and ben are 14 year old at the time just really hit it off like brothers from another mother they yeah. just i have a picture of the two of them together i mean just like wow. soul brothers i mean truly but i remember just hearing the story that the week before we were going to get there to serve at that one that Joseph's 21 year old son to help raise money for the family uh, became a picky picky driver which is a motorcycle taxi mm-hmm. kind of thing and first day on the job was killed because they didn't have helmets and they weren't properly trained and here was this 21 year old life gone because of um, you know, an accident with the picky picky. And I just remember thinking, and here's Joseph, he's just lost a son and he's here serving mm. all these kids mm. that don't have parents. Mm. And he continues to love and work yeah. hard, even at his own great loss. And expense. you remember his mother? The mm-hmm. little lady, she's still alive. She, oh she gave me a big hug. She, she looked a hundred years old when we were there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she is. <laughs> oh my she goodness! Was... I remember. Her. I have a picture. Of yeah. Her. I all the um. I thought all the lines in her face were just beautiful. Yeah. I feel like each one of them just told a story. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. I felt her to be. She spoke not a word of English, but she was a hugger. She yes, <laughs> yes, yes, and her long earlobes that yeah, yes. oh yeah, heavy earrings. Right. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh wow! Just so beautiful, and and you know, there's there's a um there's a real need over there. There continues to be an urgent need, and I remember I I couldn't believe again rarely listen to the news but learned that the very building that we were in in Nairobi when we when the plane touched down and you got to go through customs and we were in that low ceiling Mm -hmm. hot (laughs) room packed like sardines for four hours trying to get through customs with our team just because there were so many people and so few workers that 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 building, uh, like I think four or five years later, was blown up in a terrorist Burn. attack. Yeah. yeah, and I thought, oh yeah. my gosh, yeah. that we were there. Yeah. We yeah. were in that building that burned yeah. down. Yeah. So the the need is real to mm-hmm. continue. There's there's some um, great work being done, but so much more to do. Mm-hmm. Could you guys speak just for a minute to? I love how Alex always says. Speak into a time you will not see. Mm-hmm. And I know that none of us are promised tomorrow. So whether we're 20, 40, 60, 80, 100, we only have today. So could you speak to the younger generation, the 20s and 30s that are coming up, that seriously COVID messed up a lot of people. I, I don't think we'll ever know the cost of the mental health that it did. Can I just... <laughs> break for a second from just to share my own personal opinion that uh, it 
COVID brought out this weird, like, um, personal survivor type of thing in all of us. Like, all of a sudden, we're running to our homes, and even with family and friends, like, don't, don't get near me, don't talk to me, don't breathe on me, you know, it became this matter of, like, I must survive, and, and, and that's, you know, a God-given thing to survive so the world can continue, but it became, I rest, I personally wrestled during the pandemic of being locked out, of going, as Christians, we're supposed to give our lives away. And now we're told everything we're supposed to do to preserve our life, the mask, the sanitizer, the staying home, all these things, and not to whether to get into all those were right or wrong, but it was just, it became this weird, like, mental time in history of, like, protect yourself at all costs, and I really struggled with that, with going, but we're supposed to give our lives away, you know, no greater love that a man lays down his life for his friend, and so I, that was a hard thing for me to go through during the lockdown, of, of, of not doing that, to obey the rules and all that, so for 20s and 30s who, you know, us over 50 have a different perspective, we have a longer view of life, more experience, more history, and, and maybe the pandemic seemed a bit shorter, uh, still at great cost, um, but for people that are just starting out, what would you say? Why why get involved with either Tenwick or Riverside or Threads of Hope or Spring of Hope? Why do that? Why should younger people care? Like if we're passing the baton to them, why should it matter to them if they're on this side of the pond and, and trying to figure out their own life? That's a great question and one that uh, resonates with me at uh, at 85 i'm i'm really eager. you are not 85 <laughs> are you serious yes. oh my gosh <laughs> and you still run don't you <laughs> well, I, I had open heart surgery a year ago so i'm walking but i'm getting back wow. to it so You're amazing. Uh, you know the, the as you say that uh, what what would motivate individuals I think it really goes back to Jesus saying that uh, we are to make disciples of all nations. He said, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. He wants everyone to know the good news about his love for them and what he has done to offer them the gift of forgiveness and life now and, and everlasting. And so the joy of life comes as as you said, as we give ourselves away with the good news of why we're doing it. And so that is uh, Pat and I together uh, just uh, uh, find so much joy in, uh, in giving ourselves away. Uh, and it, and it's, it's, it's not uh, one of these things that, uh, that hurts. It, it, it really blesses. Mm-hmm. And you, you get the joy out of it as you as you bless others. That, that's a, uh, a motivation that I have, that I, I want our children, our grandchildren, our friends, and especially those that, that are coming behind us, to grasp that, that there's where joy is, and it's much deeper than happiness. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's a discovery. It's a, it's a life discovery. I'm, I'm just now really understanding that, mm-hmm. and it's taken me so long to get there, so I want to help others to get there ahead of when I did. <laughs> Exactly. I love that you mentioned joy because all the mental health data says that, you know, we're just in a depression crisis Mm. and and pretty much everything's going negative. It's just, it feels like all hope is lost with, and and mental health is, is 
the premise of this podcast and I have a huge heart for that. And I love that you said that about, about joy because um, whenever my kids have had a hard time or myself or my husband or my friends, I always say the same thing. I'm like, if you're having a bad day, go help somebody else. Yeah. And your day's going to be better. Yeah. Like just get outside of yourself, outside of your life and go help somebody else. Right. Well, we've been eager for our grandchildren to, um, to experience just, something like this and it may not be Kenya it may be in other areas or other parts of the world but there's something huge about uh, getting out of this culture Mm -hmm. this American culture where more is better and more and more is better and better and just uh, running after things that are not going to provide long-term joy and happiness and there's something about a you get a real reset when you visit other parts of the world and um, that, that things somehow don't matter that much. And you, you come to value relations mm-hmm. and relationships. And I don't know, maybe there are other ways to get that, but I see a great need in our young people and in our grandchildren today to, to not let the culture shape what they consider what's important. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. When when I uh, we've gone to, I don't know six different countries, and one of them we've been to. It'll be my fifth time this year. So uh, ever since Kenya, and I told a friend of mine, I said, I'm kind of wrecked because I don't feel like I don't feel like I have a home anymore. Because when I'm home, I don't want to be here. I want to be there with others, wherever there mm-hmm. is that God has called. And she says, actually, I don't think it's that you don't have a home anymore here. I think it's that you have a home everywhere. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that is that. so yeah. well said yeah. that you leave a piece of you there. Right. And and leaving that Americanism behind. I mean, I know we're all patriots. God bless America. But there's so much about our culture that is just not healthy mm-hmm. and, and is so me-centered and stuff-centered. Right. And when you get out of that, it's like you're breathing for the exactly. first time. What's one of the biggest uh, differences you've seen between how we do things here and how they do things there? Not all of them, but most of the ones that we interacted with, we could see they have uh, they have found ways to have a lot of joy and happiness without a lot of stuff. Then mm-hmm. they just seem to be so thankful for what they do have. Yeah, and willing to share it. And willing to share it. Yeah, give you a chicken or, you know. <laughs> that, I think, has been a big attraction to the people themselves. They're so warm and giving. You know, just the relationships. It comes back to that over and over again. They value those relationships. And you, uh, you sort of have a reset. I remember the first time I was there, we were there for, again, six weeks. And after sitting out on the in a rocking chair at four or five o'clock in the afternoon outside the guest house. After about two weeks, I said, you know, I think that these folks over here have got life figured out and we're all messed up in the U.S., you know, because Mm -hmm. I'm a type A personality and it's a go, go, go kind of thing. And so to sit down and rest and and become a a friend with those and, and just have conversation, it was so freeing and so relaxing. Mm-hmm. And so encouraging. It, it does give you a reset when you when you get out of this culture. 
one of the things for me was on that note when you're sitting and just in the company of someone, I couldn't get my head around that I was enough. I still struggle with that because mm-hmm. it was like, well, it's got to be based on what I can do for you because we're such, in yeah. America, we're so performance driven. Right. You are what you produce. Your worth is what exactly. you produce. And when you can't produce anymore, you're not worth anything anymore. And for me, it was just like, really? I'm just literally sitting here doing sidewalk talk with the kids. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that's enough? I, 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 I got to say, it's still something I have to practice right. in my head. Well, when we first go, we tell people, you know, if they say they're going to be there at 9, maybe 9.15, maybe 9.30, and they're still on time in their, yeah. in their way of thinking. And when you sit down to have a meeting about something, you know, in our American minds, we want to say, okay, point number one, let's get these things off our agenda. Here's item one to... They want to talk about how's your mama, how's your, mm-hmm. how are your babies, mm-hmm. how you, how are you? Mm-hmm. You know, you mm-hmm. spend a lot of time, and you think, well, can we just our American minds? Can we can we get to what we came for? You yeah. know, <laughs> so we can get on to the next thing. That's right. So we have a we can learn a lot from the way they mm-hmm. they do life. Yes, yeah. totally agree. Yeah. And when you talked about sharing our sponsored child in Uganda, who part of Africa as well um, every year uh, for her birthday gift uh, we had an option to send just a little I mean seriously yeah. in American dollars it's not right. much at all and every year she'd write to say what she got now what did she do with her birthday money she bought a new dress for school because a lot of them right. you know wear uniforms you have to you know um, a goat for her family so milk and all of that and sweets for her friends <laughs> every year Every year, year. that's what she bought with it. It was all about sharing. Mm. It's Mm. just, it's so many lessons and so much conviction, you know. So I don't know that it's a a huge dent in the American wallet to help support the work over Mm. there. Because Mm. a little bit here goes a long way there. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So another way would be, so we talked about friendsoftenwick.org. And they can go online and they can read, people can read all for themselves, everything that's going on and see the pictures. And then you also mentioned World Medical Missions. True. So anybody that's medical, particular doctors that want to to volunteer, but they can use therapists, physical therapists, and World Medical Missions will, and they have a website and you can go on and get information, but they'll do all the logistics for you to make you, to to plan your trip, to get your tickets, to mm-hmm. uh, take care of your transportation when you get there, and uh, they're very skilled at that, and they do that for mission hospitals all over the world, really, mm-hmm. but is one of the big ones that they send people to, mm-hmm. so it's an opportunity to volunteer for two weeks, two months, two years. Wow. Yeah. And then they try to match the needs of those hospitals around the world with your, your skills, and so, right. so there's a matching process that goes on through those applications. Perfect, perfect. I know the oral surgeon here in town that did all three of our kids' wisdom teeth, he's excellent. He's just the best. 
But when you talk about what lights his fire is when he goes overseas every year yeah. and gives his yeah. skills away and he yeah. does a lot of cleft palate work. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. when, you know, you're in that consultation about the wisdom teeth and all that, and then you flip the page, you're like, so where are you going this year? What, yeah. What's happening? To, I mean, an entirely, I mean, he's always nice, but like he just lights, lights up. Yeah. He's like, that's, that's where right. the yeah. joy is. So yeah. all those doctors, nurses too, or just doctors? Mainly doctors. There is a nursing school there. It's been a little bit harder for nurses to get licensed mm-hmm. because they don't want American or other nations' nurses come in and take jobs that mm-hmm. Kenyan nurses need to have, you mm-hmm. know. And so there's a little bit. But I think that's easing up. You can check with World Medical Missions mm-hmm. and see if they have uh, sp- slots open for yeah. nurses. Yeah. I'm not sure. It's funny, when you guys came over today, you were like, what is, like, what is the purpose of this? Where are we going? Because I asked y'all to come, and I said basically to give an opportunity for people anywhere in the world to join the journey with Mm -hmm. support, with financial support, with prayer, um, education on themselves of what's happening, you know, outside of our own addresses. It's so important to realize there's just, you know, a big world out there that, that we get the privilege to be a part of and so this is an opportunity for people to get excited about uh, the medical part about the community part and about these girls that are having their babies and getting educated and a whole new it's it because it's not just for them it's for their kids it's like this is going to be a generational legacy of education to give Mm -hmm. these babies that are being born and an entirely different future in life for them. And it's not that we're asking, because, I mean, I asked y'all to come, so I'm the one saying, hey, everyone listening, you should give. (laughs) I'm not afraid to say that. Everybody that's heard this should do something, should give something. Something. We could do something. Um, But it's not that I'm asking for something I'm asking to join this amazing journey and adventure through financial partnership and education on themselves of everything that's going on in Tenwick and Kenya and Riverside because in the end as we know when we all go on mission what happens when we come home we're the ones that feel really really right. blessed that's true just like you were saying they mm. give Donna gives you great joy mm. Mm. I I we don't we come home feeling like gosh I went there to Give something, and I feel like I took. Right, exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. No doubt. Came home with friends, new friends, and love, and passion, and right. joy, and right. excitement. I love the uh, verse that says, Give, and it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. For mm-hmm. with the measure you give, it'll be given back to you. Mm-hmm. And that's just so true. That's exactly what, what happens yep. when, yep. when we go. I kind of, I jokingly call that kind of like the boomerang effect of the boomerang blessing where yeah. we, your intent is to give and then it right. comes back to you. And yeah. it, the getting back is not the purpose of it. It's just fun. It's just right. so fun That's to be right. a part of something uh, for the greater good. Right. And yeah, so this has been amazing. Is there anything you guys would like to share as we wrap up? Christy, just thank you so much for your uh, inviting us to That's be a right. part of this. And we just pray that the Lord will use it and Bless in a wonderful way. Thank you. Thank you again so much. 
Y'all have been an inspiration. Is there well, anything, Pat, from you? Thank you for having us. We love to talk about this. We, as I said, 26 years ago, we never dreamed that we would still be involved in this ministry. And But it's been such a gift to us. It's been such a blessing. Mm. Hmm. Been a great way to keep Don busy in his retirement years. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you didn't retire; you just shifted That's jobs. Right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Which I just yeah. met a, a man. He's 86, and I just finished walking the Camino in Spain. And he and his 83 year old wife walked it alongside really? us. Yeah, and I said, "What's the secret?" And he said, "Never stop working." Yeah. He's like find what you're passionate about, right? And never stop doing it. Yeah. It won't be work. So it sounds like. You guys have found what you're passionate about and going to do it forever. Until Jesus comes, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a joy. Bruce and I cannot tell you how much we respect you guys and love you guys. You are mentors to us. Mm -hmm. Whether or not you knew that, you really are. And uh, we always say we want to be all when we grow up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks again. I'll put the, uh, again, the uh, references in the show notes where people can get more information. We'll be glad to answer any questions they might have. We should do a follow-up in about a year and find out what's happening then. Because this has been moving at breakneck speed. That's right. Exactly. I mean, 2021 is when it all started. It's two years later. Now it's going to be a college. Exactly. Can't wait to see what it's going to be another two years. (laughs) Well, thanks again, guys. Please come back. We will. We will. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to Real Deep Stuff. Follow us and subscribe to save your seat at the table for the next conversation. Also, check out our Facebook page to continue the conversation on today's topic. We'll see you there.